Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I have two amazing guests today. I've got Greg Hebert and Dennis O'Neill. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Michael. Thrilled you're both here. Uh, you both have huge backgrounds in, in leadership and your careers have been amazing and have impacted millions upon millions of people. And I'll make sure that your bios and all that are in the show notes so people can read up and follow you and all of that good stuff. But today I want to talk about your book. And even in the pre-show, you know, we had mentioned that there are you know, millions of leadership books out there. And unfortunately, and or fortunately, I should say, your book stands out different from all of those because it focuses on the challenges of new leaders, whether they're new into a leadership role, uh, let's say they move from management to leadership, uh, director level or whatnot, or even those that have been in the C-suite and they've been promoted or they've taken on new responsibilities and the rules have changed for them. And your book highlights on that. So uh, why don't we, let's dive into the book. Uh, and I always ask this of authors too. It's like, why in the world would you sacrifice so much of your life to write a book? Because it's a sacrifice. You know that. There's a lot of time and effort that's put into it, but would love to hear your thoughts on you know, what motivated you to write the book, and then we'll dive into you know, what the book's all about. Sure. I'll uh, take that first, Greg, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Michael, we a uh, couple uh, year, years, a couple years ago, about two years ago, I guess, we were with one of our our clients uh, that had engaged Leadership Forward uh, to to help them uh, not only on their their team leadership development, but on their individual growth as well. And and I would call this a, a great success story because he was the president of a, a business unit and uh, ran somewhere around uh, 250 people and. Hundred million a year, and uh, had a very, very successful uh, business as part of a larger corporation. And and almost overnight, he was rewarded for his great work and success. And and he got uh, six business units that he was now responsible for. So in our our one on one coaching sessions, uh, he he asked Greg and I, what uh, what's out there for me? You know, how how do I really understand how to make this leap? from being the, the subject matter expert to now running organizations where my subordinates know more than I do uh, and that they are far more experienced and maybe even far more skilled. And uh, Greg and I did a tremendous amount of, of research and looking and, and our backgrounds and, and our academic work and, uh, and found you know, just a, a, a plethora of different works out there. But the vast majority split into one of two categories. It was either written towards how to be a great CEO, or it was written towards how to manage your, your first line leadership job, your first job uh, leading other people. But this notion about, you know, how do I change altitude? How, how do I uh, to rise up in, in the organization and identify the fundamental skill sets that are required that are different than what I did before? So one example I, uh, I like to use is, you know, you're a great forklift operator. So you drive the heck out of a forklift. 
and uh, and then you get promoted to be head of all the forklifts. And as long as you're the subject matter expert, you continue to thrive. Well, then that individual gets promoted to be a head of a distribution. This is the first time they've had to work with logistics and unions and, you know, all of the different things goes in. It's just a different skill set. Uh, and some people make that transition relatively easy. But I, I think for most people, that's a difficult transition because either you just try to do the same thing you've always done or you focus on what your areas of expertise are uh, and, and don't recognize the skill sets that are required to be developed over time that are fundamentally different than what made me successful. So the old adage, you know, what, what got us here is probably not what we need. And, uh, and the Changing Out Stew was written specifically to help with that, that notion that as you get promoted, we need to take a step back and look at how do we develop the new skill sets that are required. I love the title of the book and it, because it, it captures exactly what it is. So you get to a certain level. It's like, okay, in order for me to get a better view and understanding, and I know that we mentioned this in the, the pre-show as well, when you get to these new levels, you can't see everything. Mm-hmm. You, you, It's just impossible. And for many new leaders that were great managers, you know, they knew, you know, they had the complete, they could close their eyes and do every role because maybe they've been with the organization or in that type of uh, industry for so long that they could do every role. That's, that's good insight to have. But when it comes to a leadership standpoint, those are different skills and navigating all of the different changes. And, you know, even, you know, over the last couple of years with the pandemic, Every leader has been challenged with something where there, quite frankly, wasn't really a rule book on how do you navigate a pandemic? Yes, we can go back Mm -hmm. in history. We can see what was done during the Spanish flu on the limited documentation that we found. But that was more health related. That wasn't, okay, how do you lead your organization through this or what, you know, that or any of those things. And so a lot of people have had to figure it out on their own on the fly. And for most of us, that's not comfortable. Hmm. That's not easy. But unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, that's where the biggest growth opportunities exist is when you lean into something that is completely unwritten. Uh, and you can use the, you know, the principles that you've learned to, you know, to dive into that. So, Greg, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, um, when, when we stumbled upon what we thought would be a good provocative uh, title of the book, Changing Altitude, it, 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 uh, it became very exciting for me as a coach and a team developer because I started uh, using that metaphor uh, in, in many of my client engagements. And in particular, um, you know, I think it's so important that leaders not only know what they know, but acknowledge what they don't know. And, and perhaps even more importantly, in these times of tremendous uncertainty, and volatility uh, in, in whatever industry you're in, uh, it takes tremendous courage and humility to confront and address the things you don't even know you don't know. And, and so changing altitude is, is not only a metaphor for getting higher, so you see a, a much longer view and can take a longer view, it, it sometimes says you've got to get into the, into the valleys of the organizations you lead and you, and you got to just listen. Uh, and, and really listen with an openness and not a judgment and, and, uh, and, a, and a, a certainty that says, I, I, I already know. Uh, so we're, we're finding that the leaders who can 
most quickly assess what's really going on, uh, have have probably the, the, the best capacity to then take appropriate action and to know what's really going on, as, as Denny said, you're going to have to get your, your insight differently uh, using that analogy of the forklift driver who, hey, listen, I know forklifts inside and out. There's nothing you can teach me. But now I'm running the, 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 the distribution center and there's, and, and there's a thing called a budget. What, what the heck is that? <laughs> I'm a former accountant. I know a budget. <laughs> I, I used to have hair when I first got into accounting. And well, now you can see not yes. so much, uh, but it, does, it happens to many of us. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, the, the changes in not being prepared. And I love how you've mentioned courage of saying, I don't know what I don't know. And I was in a meeting with a client earlier and there's some changes that are going on in the organization and some of the protocols they do. There was a change in staff, there was a retirement, and the organization looked at that as an opportunity to you know, shift some direction on a few things and improve uh, some protocols and, and whatnot. And of course, there you know was you know a lot of people that have been with the organization for a long time. You know that dreaded C word change um, creeped in, and you know there you could tell they were being bothered. So you know the leaders that are part of the organization and working with them. Yeah, I told them it's like okay, you have to hear what people are mm-hmm. saying, but you also have to listen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those may not be completely the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It could be an element of fear, anxiety, a variety of different things, and every leader faces that. And I'm not suggesting that you know leaders become 100% vulnerable on things, but they got to find that comfort spot to say, I don't know. Uh, this is all new, but we can use the skills and the personnel that we have here to navigate through this and get through this and just you know have... You know, really rock solid communication on direction and and reminding yourself of who you are. Mm. Some organizations probably mm. forget mm-hmm. who they are mm-hmm. because we're so busy doing what we do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we forget who we are. You know, what we, we, I, we I, the company logo and it tells us who we are, but other than that, we may forget what you know what we actually do. I, I, we could not agree more. And I guess where I I would add to that, Michael, is. Uh, on on Saturday, I, I had a client uh, ask me to zoom in as they were in a beautiful um, Cancun, <laughs> yeah, in in a in a morning session, and and probably were hoping to get to the beach after my session with them. But one of the things I did with them is to uh, help them understand that uh, one of the ways you change altitude uh, with a, with a team is get the team to commit to a clear set of behavioral commitments. Uh, that they can honor and hold each other accountable to. Uh, and, and, and oftentimes in the book, we refer to that as a covenant because we believe it is a, it more so than just a, a commitment. It's, it's a deep promise that says, if I'm part of this team or this organization, I'm going to live by these behaviors because I believe by living by these behaviors, I elevate my own capacity to be a, a great contributor, by, but I make it also... I raise the the elevation of the team as well by holding others accountable and allowing them to hold me accountable for. Uh, you know, both uh, Dennis and I served uh, in the military, and uh, there is nothing more important to a young soldier than part of the warrior creed that says, "I will never leave a fallen comrade 
on the field of battle. And, and that sense of, you know, we, 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 no matter what, we'll get you home um, it is a powerful motivator, you know, for, for a, a young soldier to go, these guys have my backs at all times. So, you know, there is something about uh, being, ele- being able to elevate human performance and human motivation by getting that team to agree to a set of covenants that, that will bind them in the good times and more importantly, in the bad. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Dennis, but I think, you know, the unity within an organization uh, demonstrates how strong an organization can be uh, if, if there's a united front as far as what is the mission of the organization, challenging times and whatnot. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well, Dennis. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's that notion of alignment in, in my mind and, and getting clarity uh, in, and by that, I want to be uh, a little bit more specific in, in some of the frameworks we go into in the, in the book. So, uh, as Greg mentioned, we, we do come from military backgrounds, and as like military and medicine in many industries, there's a heck of a lot of acronyms. So, so one of them being uh, this, this notion of VUCA, you know, the volatile, uncertain, complex, and, and ambiguous in, environment. And then you mentioned the pandemic uh, that you know, has, has gone on for two years now. And, you know, for most people, that was a, a VUCA. You know, it was volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And it uh, has changed numerous business models. It has uh, changed a lot of the ways we interact uh, and certainly has built, uh, has, has changed ways that we build teams. So to get that notion of clarity and alignment in uh, a somewhat uh, distanced uh, approach, it, it takes uh, the, this notion that, hey, the world is different. It has evolved. There are some certain necessities that come out of that. But this focus on the individual uh, and to make sure that we we have a common vision or a common goal, you know, it, it has to start with, uh, you know, really a, a deep understanding of where we're at today. What's our organization look like? Uh, and then, you know, that notion of clarity uh, in, in a second step about what do we what do we want right to look like? You know, if we want to look towards a better tomorrow, how would we collectively define what what that uh, looks like and what do we agree on is is our success and then you know once we have that you know what's it look like today what's our common understanding of a better tomorrow then we can get into the how we can act where are we going to act what are the resources we need uh, in order to to take a, a framework that works in you know this VUCA environment but give me a starting point as a leader you know, give me something that I can actually use in, in my organization. So we move it from kind of a, a esoteric or academic uh, approach to something that's very practical and hands-on uh, and applies not only in the world today, but hopefully in, in those unforeseen environments that we're going to be operating in, in the corporate world tomorrow. Yeah, the military lessons paved through and they, and, before I even continue, thank you both for your service. I always sure, thank sure you. to mention that. Uh, my dad served for, during Vietnam. My uncle mm-hmm. did as well. My grandfather during World War II uh, had an uncle, um, a great uncle, 
um, that was at Pearl Harbor. Oh my goodness! So, so wow. there's, you know, there's, you know, the military has been a part of yeah. our family. I didn't serve, but um, during uh, Desert Storm, uh, you know, and all of that in the ninety, you know, early nineties, I was of age where I could have been drafted, so I was prepared. I'm like, okay, well, if we need to, we didn't, but you know, thankfully, uh, we didn't need to. But I've I, time you. and time again, I've seen, you know, the training in military leadership transforms so well into civilian worlds because the strategy, the analyzing the situation, the, you know, and being able to look at it and like, okay, what are the outcomes? Now, as we know, we're not going to see all the outcomes, but we're going to know a lot of them and that get, you know, going to get to it. Let's not, you know, kind of hem and haw around things and get to the task at hand so we can get us from this point to this point, whatever that destination is supposed to be. I, I find in, in working with people that have served, it's like they, they get it. And it's like, boom. And it's like, you know, a lot of times, you know, for me, I think, okay, are we missing a step? Like, <laughs> no, we've got everything covered because usually there's the, you know, the build in, okay, well, what about this? And we get lost in the weeds. Like, no, let's not spend a whole lot of time in the weeds. Let's just get in, get out kind of thing. And, so it's it's you know I think that has obviously you know served you both well in your your careers to this point and you know I think Hammer's home you know the insights that you have in this book you know being able to obviously take it from your experiences and in, in serving but in all the experiences that you've gained from all the people and all the places you've worked and all the work that you've done whether it's McKinsey or Duke or you know or in the military whatever the case may be. And I do this too. Every place that I've ever worked, from the grocery store that I first worked at to running my own business and everything else, you pick up things along the way. So your tool bag is loaded with things. And you may not remember, oh, yeah, I learned how to do that at McKinsey. Or, yeah, when I was studying for my PhD, okay, I, I, I was working at this one place and I picked up that. It's just part of our DNA now. And I think helping leaders find their own DNA and being able to navigate through the growth and the challenges that so many leaders face, I think your book just shines through in, in helping people get to that point. Thank you. You you used a word that I really love, navigate. <laughs> Be, because implied with that word, Michael, is movement. And and part of why uh, I'm I'm so proud of this this book in, in terms of what it offers the reader is this notion that Leadership is about taking others perhaps to a place they wouldn't have gone necessarily on their own. So there is this notion of a journey, a notion of movement, and and certainly a notion that uh, leadership is about helping teams and organizations get unstuck. And and, and we think uh, that that's a necessary part of the task of leadership, uh, but it's fraught with a tremendous amount of turbulence and, and challenges and barriers. And so great leaders recognize the limits of what they know and what they see and acknowledge that only by engaging a team uh, with diverse and complementary skill sets and capabilities can we appropriately navigate the, the difficulties that lie ahead so that we can get to a far better place that we collectively agree to and believe in deeply. Another thing I would uh, add to that is, you know, back to the metaphor of, uh, you know, an airplane and the pilot and, and the changing altitude notion is that, you know, sometimes it's really hard to see where we're going. 
uh, and we have to rely on the instruments. And, you know, as a team, the instruments are, are those people around us that may have a lot better idea uh, or a lot better understanding or more clarity. Uh, we all have the passion and the, the humility and the drive that we're looking for uh, on that team. But, uh, you know, none of us is, is going to be perfect. You know, but as a, a team, we can come pretty darn close. Uh, and if we rely on the instruments, we rely on the tools that we have, we look towards those opportunities to continue to build uh, the organization with our purpose and direction and, and motivation. You know, it, it gives us this uh, common sense of where everything is headed together rather than trying to have each individual fly their own plane. Amazing. So, in closing, I'm going to ask each of you. You know, what's your favorite part of your book? Mm -hmm. um, it, it's. I know sometimes that's like asking who's your favorite kid. We're not supposed to publicly <laughs> or even privately admit that, because yeah. uh, that yeah. makes uh, holiday yeah. celebrations a little yeah. delicate. But mm -hmm. I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, about uh, this amazing book and and you know what's your favorite part of it. Um, I. I I'm going to take a, a start at that. Is is my colleague uh, Dennis uh, served in Iraq during a very very difficult, challenging time, and and the number of days of combat that he saw in a leadership role were were many, and uh, he provides some insight into some of the things that kept him and uh, the soldiers he was responsible for alive, and he speaks about this thing called environmental proxies. Uh, which is, uh, you know, sounds, uh, you know, highly complex, but when you dig into what, what uh, my colleague was making the point about, it was about paying attention to the environment around you and paying attention when that environment changes, um, quickly reading into exactly what that, the implications of those changes could be and decisively engaging your organization that we're going to have to take some different steps, some different approaches because the environment that we're in today is different than the environment we were in yesterday. And so that dynamic sense of, of changing altitude, of moving the organization decisively and boldly, uh, because you've been able to accurately read what's going on around you, uh, that's probably the favorite part for me of the book. You know, and, uh, and, and to be honest, Michael, the favorite part uh, for, for me was not an individual section of the book. It was the collaborative effort uh, that, that Greg and I had in, in writing it together. It was a, a real compilation of you know, decades of, uh, of studying this in, in, in business, uh, whether it be in the industrial manufacturing sectors that I was in or telecom that Greg was in or, you know, headhunters, you know, taking all of that. Uh, and then many of our stories come out of the work we do in our coaching uh, in terms of uh, helping people be their best self. You know, if you ever had to, to ask me to summarize what, what do I do, it's, uh, you know, it's helping people transition from being somebody who has been rewarded for answering somebody's question right through their whole career and, and help them transition into somebody who is rewarded for, for now making sure the right questions get asked. Uh, and that's something I couldn't have done on my own. It, it took Greg and I doing this together in terms of our own experiences, our own stories, and then putting them together into to a coherent pat, uh, fashion to, to help people really take uh, an internal look at what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, uh, and how, how do I 
maximize my strengths and, and develop my, my opportunities. So that holistic notion of you know, giving people the chance and the opportunity to reflect uh, and to grow and to be their best self is, is what I really enjoyed writing because I, I do think that changing altitude is something that many, if not most people in their uh, professional careers experience, uh, but helping them have a roadmap so that they can do it a little bigger, faster, and stronger uh, is something that Greg and I take uh, great pride in. So that's my favorite part of the book is, is, uh, is just simply helping people grow, develop, and be there their best self, uh, regardless of what, what sector they're operating in. That's amazing. It's this book belongs on every bookshelf and it'll make leaders stronger. And when you have strong leaders, you have strong companies. If you have strong companies, you have strong products and services that you and I purchase every day, which will be better, which makes humanity better. It, it has such a positive ripple effect. And I'm thankful that uh, you guys de- dedicated your life and the work that you've done and you know, put it to print uh, to help others you know, reach the goals that uh, they know that they can get. They're just not sure how to get there. So <laughs> I love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you too and the book and everything else you're doing? Uh, leadershipforward.com is, is our company. Uh, the book is under uh, changingaltitude.co, uh, co, and is certainly uh, available on, on Amazon in, in multiple formats and uh, uh, very pleased that it'll be out in audio uh, in the next month or so as well. So pick up the paperback, hardback, or digital copy now on uh, Amazon uh, for Changing Altitude, How to Soar in Your New Leadership Position. That's awesome. I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Dennis, Greg, thank you so much for the work that you do. Really appreciate this conversation today and, and enjoy uh, the rest of your day. And thank you again. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Have Thanks. a great day. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.